Welcome to Precept to Practice, another CE Impact podcast. CE Impact is a leader in pharmacy education and lifelong learning. Visit www.ceimpact.com for more information. The P2P podcast is dedicated to preceptors, the individuals who volunteer their time to help students learn. We all lead busy lives. From balancing professional responsibilities to our life administrative tasks, it's hard to find time to grow and learn. This podcast is for the professional preceptor who wants to thrive and is looking for the tips and tricks to succeed. Our goal is to help navigate precepting. Today's episode, our first episode, is featuring Tracy Pettiger from Idaho State University, and she'll be discussing cognitive biases. Tracy? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Precept to Practice, P2P. My name is Tracy Pettinger. I'm a clinical associate professor at Idaho State University, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Cassidy McKay, who's a clinical assistant professor also at Idaho State University. Both of us are actually preceptors. I work in ambulatory care, and Cassidy is involved in general medicine. And today we're going to talk about cognitive bias in medicine. Cassie and I have worked closely on this topic over the past year and a half, and we are excited to share this with you. So to begin, Cassie will present two patients to you. And what we'd like you to do is while listening to her, think about each of these patients and what type of thoughts you're having about each of these patients and which one you would rather work with or care for. So Cassie, why don't you go ahead and let us hear those patients. Thank you, Tracy. I'm super excited to be here with you today. Um, as Tracy mentioned, just listen to these scenarios and think through just, you know, what are your general thoughts when you hear this, when you hear uh, each of these patient presentations and which, which patient would you prefer to work with and what, you know, automatically jumps into your mind as issues or things that will make these patients easier. So first scenario, XX is a 71-year-old male who presented last night and was admitted for pneumonia. With regard to social history, the patient's divorced with five children and has a positive history of severe drug, particularly amphetamine and alcohol abuse um, when he was in a rock and roll band. So that's scenario one. Scenario two, XX is a 71-year-old male who presented last night to the ED and was admitted for pneumonia. With regard to social history, the patient is recently widowed after 35 years of marriage. He is a veteran, having served in the U.S. Air Force. So with those two scenarios, Tracy, when you hear those, which one do you kind of think, oh, I'd rather work with that person? Well, the second one sounds a little bit easier, less overall baggage, if you will, that I would have to wade through when when treating them. Exactly. So that's, that's that's what comes to mind, too to my mind as well. But what's really cool about these two scenarios is it's actually the same person. It's Johnny Cash. And you can see through this, through this exercise that what you present about a patient, what you share uh, makes a huge difference in the perception that people hearing that, that presentation um, are going to make about this patient. And it could potentially impact the way that this patient is treated. So this is an example of a cognitive bias. Uh, It's called framing effect. And this is a common bias that we encounter in medicine. To start this off, we have to kind of jump into what cognitive biases are, because I think we hear the term bias and we kind of inherently 
get a you know pit in your stomach about what is a bias, but what is a cognitive bias are a little bit different than biases in general, though our biases impact our cognitive biases. So cognitive biases are flaws in our thought process that can lead to errors, errors in our decision-making. They are influenced by implicit bias, which um, is probably a more familiar term by most for, for most people. And implicit biases are like our our thoughts on uh, different people, individuals, and their differences in in race or gender or religion um, or political beliefs. So implicit biases influence our cognitive biases, but they're not quite the same thing. There are more than 100 recognized biases. And if you Google the cognitive bias codex, you'll see some of those and they're broken down. It's a really cool graphic and it breaks them down by the types of of biases and classifies them. And you can kind of see how how many there are and uh, what those look like. I think it's super important to note that everybody uh, is affected by cognitive biases and they're pervasive. And particularly in medicine, they're troublesome in large part because of the high stakes nature of medicine and um, the fact that our decisions in medicine have a huge impact on life, essentially, and morbidity for individual morbidity and mortality for individuals that we're caring for. And that's why it's important in precepting is because they happen and precepting is a precepting students and other learners is the perfect time to to catch these kind of happening real world. There's very limited literature in pharmacy. So a lot of what Tracy and I have borrowed has come from has come from medicine and nursing. So Tracy, now that I've set the stage for what cognitive biases are and given an example, can you take us a step back and help us understand how and why we are susceptible to bias? thing, I'd be happy to. What it comes down to, Cassidy, is the types of thinking that we as humans have. There's two main different types, uh, type one and type two, so aptly named. The first one is going to be type one, and it is our fast, automatic type of thinking. This is where our intuition comes into play. We look for patterns. And by doing this, overall, we have a low cognitive burden that we put ourselves through in order to make these types of decisions or to make decisions overall. And because it is, you know, less work, if you will, we spend about 95% of our time here. And because of that, um, we have developed little techniques. Like I said, we have patterns to help us through this process. And therefore, we are more prone to bias in this type of thinking. And I'll talk about that here in just a little bit. The other type of thinking is type two. This is our slow, our analytical, our methodical thinking. This looks uh, makes us take a step back and look beyond uh, patterns that might be there, and it actually can be quite complex. We don't spend as much of our time there because it can be very exhausting spending, you know, thinking through each process to that level. Our goal is to actually blend those two types of thoughts. We need both of them. Um, in order to be proficient in our decision-making. As I said before, type one thinking is more prone to bias, just of the nature of it. And there's different factors that affect our type one thinking. There are factors that all of us become influenced by, such as stress, fatigue, cognitive overload, and how I'm just feeling that day. 
all of those things are going to influence my type one thinking and therefore make me more prone to different biases depending on the situation that I'm in. One of the things that I just think is fascinating and you think about it, it's totally true. Errors that we make when we are in our type one thinking mode can be overcome by type two processing. So if we notice we have um, a certain bias or we make an error um, with our thought process while in type one, we can take a step back, um, think through that process more slowly, methodically, and hopefully correct that error or bias that we are seeing. So what we are going to do now is talk about the common biases seen in precepting as well as in medicine. So Cassie, which would you say are the most relevant in these types of settings? Well, that is a great question, Tracy. And I think the first thing to, to know is that there are way more biases than we have time to talk about. So I'm just going to, I picked four that I felt like were more relevant in medicine and precepting. And I think we can bounce back um, and forth and talk about some examples for each of these. So the first one that I had, the first example that I have is framing. And that was the, uh, the Johnny Cash example that we used at the beginning of the podcast. So you see that in in patient handoffs and our discussions about patients. And it's super important to recognize when you're injecting your own, your own biases into framing, because that makes the people hearing your, your uh, patient presentation very susceptible to making errors because they don't have all of the pieces of information. So that's an example in medicine. Tracy, do you have an example in, uh, in precepting? I think framing bias in precepting is actually very, very common. And just like it is when we present patient data or patient characteristics, preceptors do the same thing when it comes to different learners. Um, you and I both teach in a college of pharmacy and have known some of these learners for quite some time as they may have been you know, in our classroom, on some of our experiential rotations, maybe residents. So we have formed opinions on each of these, these learners as time has gone on. So how I would actually hand off say a learner that's been on my rotation to you is going to bias you one way or the other, whether it's good or bad. Oh, this student is absolutely fantastic and you're going to love them. Well, maybe the interactions aren't as good on, on your side. And so there can be some problems there. So that's something that we need to take into consideration. And what preceptors need to remember is that learners have the same type of thought process on us. Oh, I don't want to go on Dr. Penton's rotation. She's grumpy. Or Dr. McKay is amazing and we want to go with her all the time. All of that can make each individual learner, again, have a preconceived notion on what is going to happen on those rotations. And it might be quite different from them on their experience. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Tracy. And as you say that, I think back on scenarios and, and times where a, pay, a student has inadvertently been handed off by another preceptor and how that frame the way that it's framed influences my experiences and how many times the experiences that I end up having aren't necessarily in line with how it was framed. Yeah, we got to be careful. Yeah, exactly. So great, great example, Tracy. The next bias that I wanted to, to talk about today is overconfidence. And this is pretty much what it sounds like. This is thinking that we're more skilled or more able than we actually are. And anyone who thinks that they are not susceptible to bias, I can tell you that you absolutely are because if you think you're not, then you're suffering from overconfidence bias. So an example of this would be basically every teenager um, who just thinks that they know more than they do. 
and um, is ready to take on the world, but maybe doesn't have enough context or true experience to to be uh, successful. So framing overconfidence. The third one is confirmation bias. And this is common in medicine, but it's also just common in real world and, and for everybody. Um, this is simple. It's seeking evidence that confirms what we already believe. So this one, unfortunately, is just super facilitated by uh, and enabled essentially by, by the way that the internet works, by search algorithms and by, you know, the way that we just, we get a thrill from finding information that supports what we already believe. So we'll talk a little bit in the next podcast about mitigating effects, but I have some, some things um, that I use to help with confirmation bias. Tracy, do you have any, do you have any examples or things that you uh, encounter confirmation bias in precepting or in your life? I think Cassie is getting to the point that I will specifically look for evidence or read evidence that confirms the fact that coffee and red wine are good for you, right? And I'm going to ignore any of those different papers out there that may say the contrary. Is that the one you're getting at, Cassidy? That's, that's about? the one. That's it. <laughs> that yeah, that's, that's true about me. So, um, but I think as we, especially the political climate that we're in right now as well, I think a lot of people are are seeking confirmation to their to their ideas, despite what, you know, no matter what they are. Absolutely. So confirmation bias is the third one. And then the fourth one, the final one that I, that I wanted to throw out today is anchoring. So anchoring is attaching um, to our first impression. So an example, a real world example of anchoring bias, um, there is data that suggests that when you're asked uh, in a job interview or at the end of a job interview, what sort of salary are you looking for? If you kind of jokingly say, oh, a million dollars would be nice. Um, humans are prone to anchor to that first number, especially with numbers, um, that first number that we hear and base our, our, our subsequent conclusions off of that number. So if you say a million dollars, then you're likely to get higher than if you don't set a really high bar um, on your that question of what sort of salary are you looking for? So Tracy, do you have any examples in precepting? Yes, I do. And I, I am sitting here going, man, I didn't really do that right when I was negotiating my contract back in the day, but that's okay. We're learning and moving forward. Um, I've been doing this job for a while and as like many of our preceptors, and this is just human nature overall, you have your good students and you have like your students that weren't so good, but it seems to me that over time and as time has gone on, I, you know, I have my really good students and my really poor students. And inadvertently I compare each student that I have to each of those um, previous students. So that would be an anchoring bias. Are, you know, is this, the students good, but are they as good as so-and-so that was here five years ago? So that's one thing that you can, you know, really be aware of and step back from that and, and look at each individual learner based off their own merits as opposed to, to um, comparing them to others. Yeah, I find, I find myself doing that, anchoring to, you know, what I perceive as my best student and my least well-performing student. <laughs> exactly. Well, overall, Cassidy, what would you say is the biggest take-home message from, from today's conversation? a great question, Tracy. I think if nothing else that you get from this, 
walk away understanding and knowing that everyone is susceptible to cognitive biases. And I think once we've accepted that fact and we're just okay with it and we aren't trying to fight that, um, spend some time learning about them, looking at what, what the definitions of them are and looking at examples of when they happen and start identifying them in yourself and others and look for where you're susceptible to cognitive biases. Because then once you understand where you're susceptible, then you can, you can work to mitigate their effect on your decision-making. And as you see them in yourself, it's always easier to recognize biases in others. And so you can, you can find those cognitive errors and cognitive biases in your, in your students and help to mitigate, help them learn how to mitigate um, their bias in clinical decision-making. Well, I'm glad that you brought up mitigation because coincidentally, the next P2P podcast will be on mitigating biases. So we look forward to seeing you at the next uh, podcast. And Cassidy, it's been a pleasure working with you today. Thanks for inviting me, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy and Cassidy, for our first inaugural episode. It was awesome. Cognitive biases are definitely an area for further research and evaluation, and I'm glad that both of you are continuing the conversation in our next episode. As our listeners continue to precept, mentor, and support students, don't forget to check out some of the great educational content designed for preceptors in our show notes. We have courses that review Leading with Grace, which is all about leveraging diversity, inclusion, and equity in pharmacy practice. And we also have a course focused on uh, all preceptors' hands on deck and breaking down the barriers of structural racism. Both of these courses help us understand uh, the different lives our students lead and how we can apply some of the things we're learning about cognitive biases to uh, supporting our learners. And with that, we look forward to having everybody access new courses every month with hours of on-demand learning with our pharmacist subscription at C-Impact. And we look forward to engaging you next month while we learn more about cognitive biases. Mm -hmm.